0: broadcasting live from the business radio x studios it's time for women in motion brought to you by wbec west join forces succeed together now here's your host
1: Lee Cantor here, another episode of Women in Motion, and as always, this one is brought to you by our good friends at Webeck West. Without them, we couldn't be sharing these important stories. Today on Women in Motion, we'll be talking about women in business who are putting food on our tables. This is about the food and beverage industries. I'm so excited to be introducing our guest today. We have Rhonda Buznardo with Caesars. We have Jennifer Reynolds with Sauce Goddess Gourmet and Sashi Chandran with My Tea Drop. Welcome. Thanks. Thank okay. Thanks for having us. Well, let's kick things off with Rhonda. Let's start out generally. Is uh, working in the food industry, is that a fun career? Was that a good choice?
2: Yeah. I mean, food is fun, right? Everyone loves it. So I would say, yes, it's fun. It's very challenging at times, especially in today's world, but um, I definitely enjoy it.
1: Now, was that always your objective uh, to be in the, the food industry, or did you kind of accidentally get involved with Caesars?
2: Um, no, I actually started in insurance and investigations, a very different, um, less exciting world um but i always worked on the retail side of food and you know waitress worked as a bartender when i was younger going to school and then later ended up you know with a career change and most of my life worked in the food sector Um, i moved on to food and beverage manufacturing and distribution and was there until my current role in the
0: gaming and entertainment industry
1: now jennifer what's your backstory
0: well, my backstory is I have a degree in printing management, <laughs> and um, I used to operate printing presses and sell people ink and solvents and digital imaging equipment. and And I love to cook, and I used to I used to throw these lunches for my customers. They would buy a. Buy a plate setter or something. And on training day, I would come in and I would, you know, bring pizza. Well, pizza turned into, hey, let me bring a grill and I'll cook some chicken. And then it turned into, I'm enjoying this part of it much more than the other side of it. So I made the transition and just jumped in with both feet into an industry I knew nothing about. <laughs> and
1: Sashi, your backstory?
0: Yeah. So I first want to correct you. It's
3: uh, the company's called Tea Drops, not my Tea Drop for those listening. And I started Tea Drops about seven years ago. I didn't have any experience in food and beverage. I just had a huge passion for tea and the ritual of tea. My background is my mom is Chinese and my dad's from Sri Lanka. My dad was actually born on a tea estate in Sri Lanka. Both my parents are immigrants. So tea culture was a huge part of my upbringing. And I just realized that the process of making tea is very cumbersome, especially loose leaf tea. And most tea bags on the market are filled with microplastics. So That just kind of sent me on this journey of exploring what was on the market, realizing there wasn't anything that met my current needs. And that's how the the creation of my product started. And then I ended up patenting the idea and selling at farmer's markets. And the rest is history.
1: Now, um, has there been any... um let's say unintended, um, learnings along the way, or has it been kind of a smooth path for you, Sashi?
3: Um, I feel like that's a trick question because of course (laughs) there's been a huge amount of challenges, um, in, you know, any, any endeavor, but especially in the food and beverage industry. Um, so no, it has not been smooth. I think that there's a lot of unexpected surprises, and a huge learning curve, and things to uncover. But the one thing that's really wonderful is the the food and beverage community, I feel, are very generous with their time and their knowledge, and their support. And I've been very lucky to benefit from that.
1: Now, Jennifer, for you, has it, um, is, is what you're doing now the way you envisioned it when you started?
0: Uh, not at all. Not at all. And, and um, I can totally second what Sashi's saying. It's, you know, the interesting thing is everyone in this industry is very generous with their um, the lessons they've learned. And I try to do the same thing with, you know, young up and coming companies. You know, I'm like, OK, listen, this is the way to do it. You don't want to do it this way because <laughs> that's the yeah. way I did. It and it was wrong, <laughs> you know, so you kind of want to. Want to help others with the, you know, mistakes so they don't make the the same mistakes because it's a, it's a complicated industry when you get in there. It's it's one thing to have a good recipe, and it's a completely different, um, it's a completely different operation to, to take that, turn it into a product, get it labeled to go on the shelf, and then get customers to want it and get retailers to want it and you know, all of that. It's so complicated. There's plenty of opportunities for success and failure both.
1: Now, Rhonda, um, your lens on the industry obviously is a lot different. Is there any advice you could share uh, with them from your perspective of how you see uh, companies like theirs be successful working with companies like yours?
2: Um, really, the, I think the hard part and the hard part for Jennifer and probably Sashi is there are so many other products and items out there like Jennifer just mentioned. Um, you know, the only thing that I could say is just really get out there, you know, go to food shows, um, find out what shows are popular and that we're showing up to um bring your innovative ideas and samples and and you know everything that you have um to have available and show while you're there at those shows and really just keep reaching out and find the right person. Um, a lot of people will contact me um for a category that I may not manage. Um, but just finding that right go-to person and just really networking and getting yourself out there is is you know my advice.
0: Now, is it if I I can just add on to that, if that's okay? Yeah, please. Um, You know, when I um, I've been in business twenty three years, and so about I, I just along the way there have been key people. Rhonda, that you know they they've come in and they've helped just like you said you know you find one person and they may not know the answers but they're 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 like the the connector that can go oh, well let me find the right person for you in here and here and here and especially in the WBE community um and and uh, it's it's the amount of of assistance in trying to find that connection everyone wants to connect everybody else up with someone that could be a good a good match and so it's really um it's really neat to have that
1: and and it is is it the dream when you started jennifer to kind of get um a partner with one of these enterprise level organizations to really kind of multiply your efforts Um, was that a goal or was it always kind of selling to the end user you know want kind of one at a time but grow it over time
0: no, I, well, in the, in the printing industry, I came out of the distributor network. So I already knew that there was this middleman in between the people making the stuff and the people using the stuff, whatever the stuff is in between is the distribution network. Um And there's, you know, people that are selling on, on you know, manufacturer side and, and distributor side. And I knew that existed. Um And that's, um that's a network that some people that get into the business, if they haven't been exposed to. The distributor side of any business, they wouldn't know that that necessarily exists, um, but I, I already knew that existed. So for me, I knew I had to have some big companies that would help give me the volume to have it make sense for everything else I was doing. I knew I needed that, um, and and we're we're continuing to grow every year, so it's it's really neat. I mean, we've had our little um, hiccups here and there. And, uh, but, but, you know, just having that, uh, base of some, some good, some large, you know, customers, um, and, and a lot of them, we actually got through WeBank, um, and we, uh, you know, we're, we're in Kroger and, um, Macy's and, uh, we've got a meeting with Target coming up and, um, and we've got, uh, let's see, Whole Foods and Sprouts, they're not necessarily, um, in the uh you know we been community. But um yeah, we've the Safeway Albertsons, uh Meyer. So we've got we've got some 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 big base customers that have helped us uh, along the way for sure.
1: And Sashi, is your customer that distributor level or the enterprise level, or is it the uh end user consumer?
3: It's actually a little bit of both. So um, our business is structured maybe a little bit differently than most, um, not most food CPG brands, but um, different in the sense that we have a direct to consumer, uh, pretty sizable direct to consumer business where uh, that we sell directly on our website and Amazon. Um, We also have uh, like alternative wholesale accounts. We call them so those are kind of the spas, some hospitality accounts, small boutique um, type of, uh, retail. And then we also have grocery retail, which, you know, we're in, um, a subset of whole foods, natural grocers target, and we're expanding into sprouts national and, and Walmart this year. So it's a little bit of everything, um, a multi-channel omni-channel approach. Um, but it keeps us on our toes. <laughs> it's definitely, uh, it's like running kind of a couple different businesses under one roof.
1: So when you say a couple different businesses, it's because each of those uh, customers you kind of market to differently, and you communicate differently. Is that right? Yeah,
3: I, I think what I've learned over the years is that you know the way that you obviously direct to consumer digital marketing um, and content creation for for web is very different. Right? It's a very different skill set. Than selling into grocery retail and knowing all the players. When you get into grocery retail, um, you have a distributor, you have maybe a broker, um, then you have the end retailer, and then you have to engage in different types of promotional opportunities, whether it's you know directly with that retailer or outside of that um, to drive traffic and velocity at the store. So it's it's just a kind of a completely different um, business makeup. Each channel, you know, and I could say the same for how Amazon operates or how um, these small boutique retail operates. So that's what I mean.
1: Now, did you always start as kind of multi-channel, or did you kind of uh, kind of grow into each channel individually when an opportunity presented itself?
3: Well, um, when you're first starting out, I mean, I didn't have a ton of capital starting out, so I kind of just had to really focus my efforts of where the lowest hanging fruit was. And for us, that was getting into boutique retail. Um, so going, you know, I would literally walk to um, small retail shops and pitch my product. And the great thing about them is, first of all, you're 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 talking directly to you know a consumer or someone who really understands um, kind of buyer interests. But then also the net terms on when they pay are also much more favorable than larger retail. So, you know, you might get paid immediately or within 30 days. um, So that would help with cash flow. And then I would use those proceeds to then explore and experiment on on opening our own website. And I had a background in digital marketing, marketing um, uh, at my prior life was working at eBay in Silicon Valley. So I worked in, you know, some social media digital marketing team. So I kind of understood the foundation of how e commerce worked. Um, and that that definitely helped, right, to start a- creating a presence online. Um, and then basically online became a huge focus of ours for the next several years until we we felt we were ready for retail.
1: Jennifer, did you follow a similar path?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's surprisingly similar. (laughs) Um, But, but yeah, um, I I was going into, you know, neighborhood places in San Diego, I walked into a, you know, gourmet cookware store and said, Hey, what do you think? I did that before I actually had a real product. (laughs) And the owner calls me back and says, Can you have a actual product for me by January 20th I'm like, Sure. And I'm thinking to myself, I have no idea. But yeah, sure. (laughs) Say yes, figure out the details later, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, and yeah, that's that just started it. And then one person, you know, I I go into one meat market and sell my product. and, And they say, you know, you should really talk to so and so over over there. You know, she really likes new products. And I get my product in there. And she says, you know, have you been over to talk to so and so? And they're all telling me who else to talk to in the little town of San Diego when in, in the gourmet grocery end of things, whether they, you know, they sold, sold it in the gift area, most of them sold it in the grocery area. But, you know, I had the cookware store sold it. And obviously, you know, they're just cookware and gourmet foods. So um, they weren't really a grocery. But yeah, that's it. That's how it it started. And then, you know, you get one, you know, a little bit larger retail and then another one and then all of a sudden, you know, you could maybe you could do distribution, but then you have to get that big fish that the distributor wants to be able to say, yeah, we'll we'll buy some of your product. But you have to bring them the big fish. Um, and uh, and so that's um, that's kind of how how that went for for us. And then, yeah, we just progressed and we were starting to sell online maybe you know, 15 years ago or something like that. And we do have a presence online and on Amazon, but it doesn't come close to matching what we sell wholesale, which I'm, that's actually one of my goals for this year is to flip that the other way around. So it's about half and half because there's just much more control and much more margin in the direct sales. Um, and we can offer. We can offer a good value and get some direct feedback as well to what's going on with our products, what do customer's like, what do they want to see more of from us when it comes to innovating. So that's valuable.
1: Now, Rhonda, is there um, kind of some do's and don'ts that you see when there's an emerging brand uh, entering a marketplace that's maybe gotten on your radar or somebody on your team's radar? Is there something, you know, some of the things that people should be doing and not doing in order to give their brand the best chance at Caesars?
2: I wouldn't say really do's and don'ts. I would just say more of, um, you know, seeing what your options are to make yourself stand out, Um, you know, like diversity. Now I know that our company is very strong in support of uh, a diversity, um, women-owned businesses, you know, different socioeconomic and cultural um, diverse own businesses, even in some markets, um, you know, they they really follow that. Um, just seeing what makes you be a step above the rest and um, something that, you know, we're looking for. Um, as far as don'ts, I, the only thing that I could say is just don't sit back and, and wait for someone to contact you. It sounds like these ladies are Um, They already have learned that and they know what they have to do to get out there and have their presence out there. Um, And yeah, I mean, I think that uh, that that's very important. So.
1: Are there, um, Rhonda, are there current trends that you're keeping an eye on that you're looking for to fill kind of a void?
2: Um, Obviously, you know, anything, more natural, um, you know, the vegan market is really big right now, any type of plant based products are huge right now in the market and being sought after um, anything innovative that can be um, helpful in the back of the house for, um, you know, talking about sauces, um, even bases, you know, a soup base, a sauce base, anything to help the the chefs not have to do as much prep work in the back. Um, You know, for obvious reasons, not only to keep them, you know, to be helpful when they're busy, but also um, to help with just having enough sous chefs in the back. I mean, as we all know, through COVID and through everything, we've um, things have changed. You know, it's harder to find help. And some people have changed their whole careers in the food industry. Um, We're running into, um, you know, executive chefs that have been doing that for 25 years, changing their whole careers and moving into a different sector. So, um, you know, anything to help make that process go faster for the chefs in the back of the house is what we're looking at a lot right now.
1: So, um, Jennifer, go ahead. Were you going to say something? Um, You know, the food industry is so complicated and there's so many moving parts. Can you share a little bit maybe, educate our listeners who are maybe considering getting into it because a lot of folks with the advent of this kind of whole food network culture where everybody sees chefs now and and sees cooking and it's a hobby that gravitated or has grown exponentially among home cooks and home chefs and everybody has recipes and, and different products that they're enjoying themselves. But to make that transition into a business, can you talk a little bit about maybe some of the complexity and some of the issues regarding safety and health and and just all the the stuff you don't really kind of um, see on the surface but is happening in the background if you want to be successful in in moving it from a hobby to a, a career? Jennifer, can you share a little bit?
0: Oh, oh, oh I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I wasn't sure mm-hmm. who you were directing the question to. Um, well, for us, uh, I chose from the very beginning to use co packers. So we use contract packagers to do all of our manufacturing. Um, and we have uh, requirements of our manufacturers. We require that they be SQF or BRC. Uh, certified which means they've been inspected on an annual basis and and food safety is top of mind so that's kind of how we we address the food safety end of things um i will say the interesting thing about using co-packers is that i you know initially i'm creating a recipe at home testing it out of my dear friends <laughs> um and uh, and you know i come up with a, a a formula, but it's not actually a formula until my co-packer gets a hold of it and uses the the industrial type of, of products. Um, so what I mean by industrial is the tomato paste that we buy in the grocery store that we use in our sauce is nothing like the tomato paste that our manufacturer uses. There's so much less water in it um, that you could... You know, it's, it's, it's more the consistency of a thicker peanut butter than normal peanut butter. I mean, it's really thick. Uh, and so all of the measurements that I might have in my home recipe are off when, you know, because the water is different. So they they have a formula they use for manufacturing and then they make test batches and that kind of thing. Um, but that that kind of that takes care of some of the food safety for us. Uh, One of the things we do do is all of our products are certified gluten-free. So we do have our products tested um, so that we know they're under 5 ppm, which is parts per million um, of gluten, which is um, to celiac standards. So our products are certified for celiacs. Um, They're okay. Um, And uh, Rhonda, they are vegan. (laughs) Um, And they've always been vegan, actually. 23 years ago, I made a a vegan barbecue sauce. (laughs) Actually, I had a vegan steak sauce for a while, and that was pretty funny. <laughs> People were like uh, vegan steaks. <laughs> so, um, but I, I don't know if that answered all of all of your um, your your question, Lee. Or um,
1: yeah, uh, Sashi, um, what's your take on
3: that? So, is it is the question around like trends we're seeing, or what? Well, uh, the-,
1: the the question's kind of about the. Um, all right, let's start start with trends from from your from uh, tea drops. What trends are you seeing in the tea industry?
3: Well, we've seen a huge shift in kind of the the modern day tea drinker, if you will. You know, traditionally, if you go to your grocery store and look at your tea aisle, um, it's filled with very legacy tea brands. I would say single flavor profiles like a black tea or a Earl Grey or you know some kind of herbal blend. But I think that the tea consumer today is very multifaceted. Um, you know, they're looking for drinks that very much mimic the cafe style experience when they go into their local coffee shop. Um, and so that's why you see the, the kind of growth of, of different types of lattes, like a matcha latte and even bubble tea drinks like boba and uh, milk teas. And I think that's more in alignment with what we're seeing with the modern day tea drinker. Um, and so what we try to do is create these cafe style experience kits um, for retail so that you can make you know a, a cafe quality chai latte matcha latte even a ube latte which is new to market and uh, you know in the con- kind of comfort of your own home at a great price point point. Um, and we were the first to bring um, a shelf stable bubble tea boba tea kit to target um, and so we're really trying to bring these more innovative um, tea experiences that this 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 kind of modern day tea drinker is looking for in the aisle and just reinvigorated a bit. So those are kind of the main trends we're seeing, uh, very much influenced by kind of coffee, coffee shop culture um, and some of the big trends from Asia. You know, in in the the huge growth of bubble tea, boba tea.
1: Now, um, the second part of that was about the entrepreneur out there that maybe is the home chef or or the home baker that has some recipes or kind of has this itch to see if this could be a thing. Do you have any advice for that person on how to navigate some of the complexity and maybe share some of the things that maybe are obvious to you now, but maybe um, wouldn't be obvious to that um, aspiring uh, yeah, true I mean, I
3: think I think with a great thing about Food and Bev is you could start anywhere. You know, I think that all of us are probably a testament in some way that you don't have to have true experience um, to do this in in a traditional sense or a formal education. Um, I was I learned about uh, the cottage food license. Early in my in my in the start of starting my company, so, you know, you may not have the the resources to go right away to co-packer like jennifer did um but you may want to just start something in your kitchen and there is a law at least in california called the cottage food license where it enables you to make um you have to obviously get your your kitchen or your home kitchen permitted but make up to a certain amount um at home up to a certain revenue threshold so you can sell, you know, whatever you're making locally at farmers markets or in retail shops just to kind of test out, you know, get a proof of concept of your idea. Um, so that's one thing. And then the second thing I spun my wheels around uh, learning about UPCs, which like, unless you're in this industry, you don't know anything about. <laughs> but So I remember going online and like literally Googling up like how to create a UPC. And that led me to this like, um, you know, kind of... Uh, off-market site. And so the standard for all UPCs is GS1. Um, So that is just a piece of knowledge I'm passing on. But those two things, a cottage food license and UPC uh, GS1 really helped me out in the beginning.
1: Now, are there any resources, I'll put this out to the group, are there any resources that you turn to to get some kind of uh, industry knowledge? Are there um, groups that you joined or associations that you became part of that were kind of food specific uh, in your niche or was it something you just kind of went boldly forward and, you know, maybe Googled some stuff and just went for it? Um, Oh, go ahead. You Sure.
3: Yeah, go ahead. Okay, Um, There are some Facebook groups and Slack groups that exist. Um, One is called Startup CPG for Slack. Um, A lot of different food CPG business owners are on it. Great advice and resources. And there's a Facebook group called OMG CPG, I want to say. And if you join that group, it's a lot of early stage food and beverage operators that share a lot of resources and knowledge. So those would be my two to start.
1: Jennifer yeah,
0: and, and Well, there's the Specialty Food Association, oh, right, um, yeah. and and they've got a lot of publications you can get as a member. And membership actually isn't that expensive. It's like $300 a year. Um, and so even if you're just starting out and you want to see what the business is about, getting membership in Specialty Food Association gets you access to the Fancy Food Show, which is in Vegas now. Um and and you can go there and see all of the different companies that exist and see how they show and there's a lot of classes that they have there, like you know, food Food Business One oh one I think is one of the classes they've had for probably twenty years. Um and it just kinda goes through the licenses you need and, and all of that kind of stuff. Um the other thing is um I know you can do searches online. For things, Um, But, you know, the nutritional panels, you have to find someone that can do those for you. Um, And you've got to find someone good that knows the laws, not that can just do the panel for you. You have to find someone that knows, you know, what's the minimal typeface you can have on your label and things like that. And as you're a small company, it's not as important. If you have, I believe, under $100,000 in sales, you don't actually even have to have a nutritional panel. On your product, but once you reach over that, or if you want to go for retailers, you have to have the UPC, you have to have a nutritional panel on there. Um, No one, you know, no retailer that's really looking to grow and help you grow is going to want a product that doesn't have either of those.
1: Now, Rhonda, what um, events or associations uh, are you part of?
2: Um, Well, I know that there's also, I mean, of course, LinkedIn is always a a good reference. Um, The Food and Beverage Association of America is on there. Um, And just being a member of that, you can just see what they're posting and different things that are coming up in events. Um, A big one that I uh, am involved with is Market Vision. Uh, They have two shows a year, one in the fall, one in the spring. Um, They have just a, a very different group of people from the restaurant side to, um, you know, like me in the gaming industry, um, so many different sides of the industry from, you know, personal little restaurants to fast food industries, to, uh, group purchasing organizations, um, pretty much every different side of this business. So they're a really good one uh, that I attend. And um, I meet a lot of great, uh, you know, different reps uh, there from, you know, just retail to different restaurants that, you know, maybe just a friendship and someone to talk to about what's going on in the industry and the market. And they also have great speakers that really can help you with what what's going on in the market in your industry and the specific product that you're making or the ingredients that are in that product that you're purchasing. Um, you know, it's a lot of great information and great people to be involved with, not just the the sale of it, but the whole part of it and the business side as well.
1: Now, how important is WeBank West and WeBank and, and associations like that uh, to you, to you, Rhonda, when it comes to introducing uh, your firm to these kind of up and coming businesses and these other resources that maybe wouldn't be on your radar any other way?
2: Um, it's actually very important to us. I mean, seizures uh, is very, um, you know, involved in a lot of other things other than just gaming and restaurants and, and everything. We support um, so many things. Um, you know, I'm dealing with everything from diversity to Um, sustainability to, you know, cage-free products and and things like that, laws and and where it's not mandated by law. Um, So uh, there's a lot of different things that are very important to us that might not be on the radar for some other companies.
1: And is it it sometimes that they say, okay, um, this is an initiative that's important to us. Go find some vendors that you know can do this and then this is where um something like a WeBank west or webank is helpful and it, it, you can find a pile of them in one place pretty easily
2: yes absolutely we have a whole department that does that and and manages that um and it reports back to us as new reports back to our category managers and directors on the food side and other sides as well so it having that information all together is is really uh, helpful for us as an industry.
1: Now, um, Sashi, uh, how important is kind of um, a membership in a group like Webeck West in terms of helping you get into some of these larger firms? Has that been useful and helpful for you? or was that you know, something that i
3: know it can be and we're and also i would just say you know the certification itself is just so helpful to have um conversations with buyers i think buyers and the industry really respects um the WeBank as an organization the efficacy of the organization so i think that's just one great um, talking point to bring up when you are having conversations with prospective buyers I will say that I think my goal this year is to utilize the WeBank community more um, in terms of the relationships and the, um, you know, there's just like a plethora of of advice here and connections to larger retailers. So while I haven't necessarily utilized it as much in the past, it's definitely something that I, I see the value in. I already I see so many other business owners who derive so much value from WeBank that I'm excited to get more entrenched this year.
1: So where do you go for support and collaboration right now?
3: So a lot of them are are other founders that I know in the space, um, food and beverage founders, local founders, and ones that I meet kind of in the online sphere, um, and that we we kind of create in person events together. So I I I would say that my the biggest source of of intel I, I get is from other other founders in the space.
1: And that just the people that you've kind of proactively found on your own or found you?
3: No, they're um, part of some of the, the groups I mentioned earlier, like Startup CPG or that Facebook group. Um, there's also industry events, as um, Jennifer mentioned, like specialty food organization. There's also a big one called Natural uh, Products Expo that happens in that community. So by going to more trade shows and just being exposed to more founders, you end up, you end up meeting a lot of great people.
1: But that's, that's good advice for someone. You can't kind of passively attend these events and join these organizations. You have to kind of proactively go in there with the intention exactly. to to find kind of like-minded people to work with and partner with and to share with, right?
3: Exactly. No, that's exactly right.
1: Now, Jennifer, where do you go for support and collaboration?
0: Um, you know... um. I too go to you know founders that that I know in in the space. I have um I have a business group that I'm in that I also you know talk to, but they don't know anything about the food business, so it does me no good when I need well not no good, but you know <laughs> it, it 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 has limits. Um, when I need when I have industry specific questions and things like that, but I I have a a network of people that I've met through years of doing in-person shows, consumer shows. Um, I've done a lot of gluten-free expos throughout the country, and some of those founders I've kept in touch with. Um, I do a lot of um, hot sauce shows, actually, or or, several of them, hot sauce, barbecue shows. I've done barbecue competitions, and we keep in touch, um, whether it's through Facebook or because we see each other every year in New Mexico at the fiery food and barbecue show. Um, you know, that type of thing we, we keep in touch and, um, you know, we, um, we can connect that way and help each other in some ways, but a lot of those, a lot of those companies aren't in this CPG space in, in terms of distribution to retailer, they're direct to consumer in a lot of ways. And so it's a different space. And is that something that I want to grow? It's been nice to be able to talk to them about, well, how are you doing this and and how are you how are you handling handling a particular issue that you've got and, and that kind of thing.
1: So it sounds like it, you feel it's important, but you weren't you didn't have kind of a, a go to group. You formed your own kind of tribe.
0: Kind of ad hoc, yeah, yeah. We all just sort of reach out to each other when we need um, when we need help. Yeah. Well I see Jennifer, you're in the San Diego area.
3: And yes. I am too, and I didn't, I didn't even realize that um, <laughs> we're local. Yeah. There's also yeah. a great group called Naturally, um, and it's localized to different areas, but Naturally is like a CPG-based organization. I know they have Naturally San Diego, that's an active group, Naturally LA, uh, Naturally in Austin, I believe. So that's okay. also a great organization to check out. Okay, good
0: idea. Thank you. Um, Yeah. And
2: on my side, I also, you know, I collaborate with my chefs a lot too. So having chef friends are a great, great um, resource because they're in that front line, you know, they are talking to everybody. They're dealing with the customer, the consumer, the um, distribution centers, you know, the products, everything firsthand, and they have a lot of great information And sometimes very demanding information, but it's very helpful. And what we do, um, you know, I live in New Jersey, and, um, you know, I'm on one coast, I travel a lot, I'm all over, but what may work here on the East Coast, and what's going on in the West Coast, um, are two totally different things. Um, So, you know, they're really, really great at collaborating and and helping with ideas and um, what's going on um nationally so uh getting out there and talking to different chefs even if it's going to different restaurants or or anything um i think is is also a great resource for everyone
1: now uh sashi is there a story you can share maybe your most rewarding part of the journey so far is there something uh that stands out for you in the growth of your company
3: Yeah, I mean, I feel like there are so many great milestones that kind of keep you excited and reinvigorated. Um, I think for us, you know, we've had um, a lot of great experiences of getting into kind of retail dream accounts, Uh, like Target was a big one for us. And um, we actually had our teas in a gift basket for... um, a certain speaker group at a convention and little did we know like it ended up in the hands of uh, michelle obama and she ended up writing a note to us thanking us for the tea and um and uh, just kind of a note about the b- type of business we were building and so that was obviously like uh, i thought the mail was was truly spam i didn't realize when it said office <laughs> of the president that was uh for real but you know there's moments like that that you're just like what like you can't make this stuff up um or when, you know, another celebrity, Chrissy Teigen, unsolicited, we did not pitch her, although we were trying to get her as an influencer, just tweeted about RT organically. You know, there's just certain moments that um, are pretty, are pretty transformational um, for you and
0: also the business that I will remember forever. Jennifer for you. Wow. I don't have any of those moments. That's fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> Super cool. <laughs> um, you know, for me, um, I, I love the random phone calls I get from consumers that are like, oh, my gosh, you know, I, I can't find Moroccan Twist in the store. I moved out of the area. And, you know, what am I going to do? And I'm like, well, you can shop online, first of all, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> but it's just so nice hearing that they're like, oh, my gosh, I love your product. I can't make chicken without it. You know, whatever whatever the product is, it's just that that phone call because our our phone number is on our website it dials to a phone that actually gets answered by a real person. And, um, uh, you know, most of the time it's me. Um, and, and it's, it's, um, it's neat to hear those. It's neat to hear that we're making a difference in people's lives. Cause that's really the end, the end of it. The big thing that I want to do is make a difference in people's lives and get people back to the dinner table together, eating, telling stories and enjoying a really great meal that is made with great ingredients there's no you know no junk no additives or flavorings it's just food you know and and just enjoy enjoy that time and that that food and and so for me when I hear those stories it's it's neat it makes me all warm and fuzzy
1: (laughs) Rhonda is there a story that you can share about your career thus far that's been rewarding Rhonda you're muted Rhonda Rhonda is there a story you can share about uh, your career thus far that got you high-fiving your team and uh, you can share with us Uh, well it sounds like something's wrong with Rhonda's audio um, but before we wrap, I'd like to go around the room to get, um, um, uh, maybe kind of the elevator pitch for each of your firms. I want to make sure that we get that on the show. Sashi, can you share a little bit about Tea Drops, um, in a nutshell, um, tell us about the products that you serve and offer and, um, where people can get it and get a hold of you if there's a website or social media. Um,
3: yeah. Um, so we are the creators of a bagless, uh, tea called Tea Drops, and it's actually made with whole, whole leaf, loose leaf tea compressed together in fun shapes like Heart Stars flowers. Um, we make the ritual of tea time easy and convenient, and we just recently launched these cafe quality inspired kits that enable you to make a chai latte, matcha latte, even ube latte and bubble tea conveniently in the comfort of your own home. And you can find that at Target and soon Sprouts, Walmart, and also on our website at myteadrop.com.
1: And Jennifer?
0: Um, We make um, obscenely delicious uh, gluten-free sauces and spices and dip mixes that will transform your meals. Um, Everything that we make is free of any preservatives additives colorings flavorings and and that means like our sauce has no xanthan gum our spices have no anti-caking it's literally just food which even in the natural space is surprisingly unique um there's a lot of organic sauces that still have organic xanthan gum or organic rice powder um same thing for the seasonings um there's there's a lot of that our um our products are all certified, uh, gluten-free, as I mentioned earlier to celiac standards. So that opens the the door wide open that they can, you know, safely serve, serve sauce and spices with their, their meals and what they're cooking, vegetables or meat or fish or whatever. Um, our products can be found at Sprouts nationally. We're in four regions of Whole Foods. So the Northeast, Mid-Atlantic, Rocky, or not, I'm sorry, Midwest, and, um, in the southern pacific region and then um they can be found at at um fred meyer and qfc in the pacific northwest and king supers and city market in the um, um mountain area in the denver area and um oh my gosh let's see i'm gonna miss somebody meyer in michigan uh took our spice tins on which is super cool and, um, yeah, we're just, we're growing like crazy. Central Market, this really cute little gourmet store in Texas has it. And then you can go to Amazon, uh, Walmart.com, SauceGoddess.com, Macy's.com, it's all over the place. So we've got a lot of different um, gift packs and things like that to get.
1: Good stuff. Now, Rhonda, if somebody yeah. uh, can you sh- share, I know uh, there's obviously uh, Caesar's does a lot, is there um, kind of a website, the best place to connect uh, with Caesars to learn more about what's going on there?
2: Yes, I would definitely say um, Caesars main website is the best way. Also, um, LinkedIn, you can search um, you know, profiles of uh, people that work with Caesars um, in the food and beverage sector. Um, and reach out directly. Um, I know myself, I'm very helpful in directing you to the right person to uh, get in contact with. Obviously, um, we're very large, so I would say be patient, but, um, you know, that's a a really good resource as well.
1: Well, thank you all for participating in this roundtable. You're all doing important work, and we appreciate you. This is Lee Cantor. We will see you all next time on Women in Motion.